Hi, and welcome back to the Multifaceted Athlete with Coaching Lutz. I'm your host, Kelly Lutz. I am a USGA certified running and ultra running coach and certified strength and conditioning specialist. I am so excited to have you here today. We'll be talking all about running, aspects of running, strength training, and anything else that makes us humans who do sports. So let's dive right into this episode. I hope you love it. Hello, welcome back to another week of the Multifaceted Athlete. It's me again, Kelly. We are doing another solo episode. I do have some awesome guests coming in July, so looking forward to that. But this has been a nice string of solo episodes, especially with starting Lifting, Running, and Living with Kelly and JK, the other podcast with JK, obviously. So it's been interesting figuring out how to do both of them and create content for both of them. Uh, For those of you who don't podcast, it is a lot more work than you probably think. (laughs) And we don't even do that much. Like we don't do, we don't remove a lot. There's not fancy editing. There's some editing that I do, but like the grand scheme of things, we could be a lot fancier and it's still without all the bells and whistles takes quite a bit of time to produce two podcasts, go figure. But it's been really fun. So uh, the solo episodes for Multifaceted Athlete, I am taking advantage of the gapping guests just to do some more educational running content. So today, we're going to spend most of the time talking about heart rate training. (sighs) I feel like, I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast before, heart rate training is not my favorite, but zone two is having a moment. So... (laughs) I figure we might as well talk about it. And also going into summer, I think it's a good time to talk about it because um, the heat will probably make your heart rate rise if you're trying to keep the same pace as you normally do when it's not as hot. And if you are training by heart rate, that can be frustrating. I mean, it's frustrating for all of us, even if we're not training by heart rate, let's be real. Running in the heat is not the most fun a thing in the world, but we go through this every year, so we got to do it. We do adapt. It gets easier, so yeah, don't get discouraged. Summer is finally here in Colorado, so we are finally dealing with running in the heat, and it is July 27th today, so it's really late for this to be happening. I feel like last year, it was already super hot in May, and then by June, I think we had the 100-degree days. So this year, I'm trying not to complain. It's been quite a nice year, and it's been pretty mild, except for the rain. We don't love the rain, or the constant rain, I should say. We, we need rain, but yeah. Anyway, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. We're talking about heart rate training. So first, let's start off with what are these zones. So the most common zone model for heart rate training is the five zone model. There are so many different models out there for heart rate training. So choose one you like if you want to train by heart rate. Personally, I don't train by heart rate. I don't train my athletes by heart rate. Um, And I'll talk about this a little later. If you do want to use heart rate in your training, I recommend not strictly going by heart rate, so pairing it with something else. 
But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. So in the five zone model, the typical zones are, you know, zones one through five. Zone one is like your recovery, really easy pace, um, not stressful at all. Zone two is the one that everyone's talking about right now. That's your aerobic or base zone. So most easy runs fall in this category for most people. Um, they might also fall in zone run if you're running easy enough, but commonly people tend to fall in zone two. Zone three is tempo. So this is below your lactate threshold, which is zone four. Um, tempo is, you know, it's kind of been demonized <laughs> as the gray zone. Um, especially if a lot of people are talking about polarized training where you spend a lot of time in zone one and two, the lower intensities, sometime in zone five and not much time in the middle. Um, so zone three has been kind of given a bad rep, especially with the talk about zone two, because everyone's focusing on zone two and talking about how most people run their easy runs too hard and just end up running too much time in zone three and not enough time in their truly easy effort zone. Um, so that's zone three. Zone four is lactate threshold, and then zone five is anaerobic. So those are your typical zones. And if you are training by heart rate, like I was saying, most of your easy runs will be in the zone one or two. And then depending on your workouts, you will hit those zones three, four, five, um, depending on what plan you're following. Is it polarized? Is it pure middle? Um, but those higher zones, you're hitting much less than zones one and two. Zones one and two should make up the majority of your training, which I think we've all come to agree upon and myself included. I just don't love being tied to heart rate on every single run. And that's why I personally don't like heart rate training and just by itself and why I don't do it too much with my athletes. Um, so talking a little bit about that, some reasons why I don't love heart rate training is because there are a lot of factors that affect your heart rate that isn't just how hard your run is. And because usually we're using heart rate to gauge, am I running easy enough? Am I running too hard? Am I in the right zone for this workout? And in a perfect world where heart rate reflected exactly what this run is, that would be great. But unfortunately, we do not live in a perfect world. So some other things that affect heart rate that don't really have to do with how hard your run is or easy is core temperature, which is why when things start to heat up in summer, your heart rate tends to rise because um, your core temperature gets higher and quicker, especially compared to, you know, in the winter when it's colder. Um, caffeine and other stimulants. So like, for example, myself, I drink coffee before almost every run in the morning, unless I'm running at 6 a.m. Shout out to Brad and Sarah. You're the only people I will wake up that early to run with. And I try not to drink coffee before, before that one because I want to sleep as much as possible. But for most runs, I drink coffee before my runs. And as I think most of us know, coffee, pre-workout, anything with caffeine, it all raise your heart rate. Um, and obviously that is separate from your run. Um, how you're feeling. So if you're excited or nervous, if you've been in a race setting before, which I'd be willing to bet you are, if you listen to this podcast, you may have noticed that before 
you start your race, your heart rate might be a little higher because you are anticipating the race, whether it's you're excited about the race, you're nervous because you know it's going to be hard, you're going for a PR, you're going for a new distance you haven't done before, anything like that. So that can increase your heart rate as well. Um, Hydration status, one that I think a lot of us forget about a lot, myself included, especially for my morning runners, depending on what you drink before you run, if you're dehydrated, you're more likely to have a higher heart rate, and that is a reflection of dehydration, um, not how hard your run is. And especially for the morning runners like myself, like obviously you've been asleep for however long, hopefully a good amount of time, which means you haven't been taking in any water. You're probably waking up dehydrated, especially because I know a lot of us are not super good at hydrating throughout the day in general. So yeah, dehydration tends to increase your heart rate. Uh, Elevation, those of you who have gone from sea level to somewhere like Denver where we are, or like those of us in Denver, if we've gone up on a 14er or just, you know, out into the mountains at 10,000 feet, that will raise your heart rate as well. And then finally, fatigue will affect your heart rate or could affect your heart rate. And that actually usually depresses your heart rate. So it usually shows up lower than you think it should be. But all of this to say is that there are so many external factors that affect heart rate, which makes, in my opinion, it hard for heart rate to be that direct um, reflection of your run that we all want it to be. So those factors are something to keep in mind if you are training by heart rate. If your heart rate doesn't look how you think it should look, maybe think about, okay, what could be affecting heart rate that is not this run that I'm on? Um, And I think pairing that is a nice way to see is my heart rate elevated because I'm running too fast, too hard, or is it actually something else that is is affecting it? So that is some other things that affect heart rate. Um, When you are calibrating your heart rate zones, if you are interested in doing heart rate training, and this is another reason why I'm not a super big fan of it, is because most people calibrate their zones by using an estimation for their maximum heart rate. And most people don't try to test their maximum heart rate. They try to estimate it based on a generic formula, which the most common one is 220 minus your age. And that is just wildly inaccurate for most of us. So I'm 32 right now, almost 33. Um, Emma Coburn, an Olympian, also 32. And then let's say there's a 32-year-old, let's say my husband, someone who doesn't run. Would you expect all of us to have the same heart rate zones? Me, I'm a pretty average runner, maybe a little above average with the number of times I run a week and weekly miles um, compared to the general population, not compared to where I live. (laughs) Um, Emma Coburn, an Olympian. She's been an Olympian three. Yeah, she's been in three Olympics so far. So that's 12 years. She's going for her fourth, 16 years. She's been training long before that 
an elite, elite, elite athlete. And then my husband who doesn't run there, it just doesn't make sense. We should not have the same heart rate zones and even just cutting out our, you know, running, training, history, fitness, where we are, our physiology, our physiology is all different. And just going by a generic max heart rate that is the same for everyone who is that age will not reflect that. And then if you're being really dogmatic about sticking to these zones that come from kind of an arbitrary number that makes the zones arbitrary, so then you're trying to stick to something that isn't even specific to you, and then it's kind of like, what's the point, you know? So, yeah. Don't love using max heart rate. And another reason why I don't like using max heart rate is because it's really hard to test it. Um, One, it's hard to like get your brain to push you hard enough to truly get your maximum heart rate because, you know, that's hard shit. (laughs) You have to run really hard to get to the point where you're maxing out your heart. And then if you do get a number, if you do test it, you're probably pretty close, but you can't be certain that that's actually your max. So it's just a lot of uncertainty around that number, and then you're using that number as the basis for everything else that you're going to go by for your training. So we don't love that. But there is a better way to do it if you do want more accurate zones for your fitness level and your actual physiology, and that is estimating your lactate threshold heart rate, and then calibrating your zones from there. So most of the online zone calculators, if you just Google like heart rate zone, heart rate zones using lactate threshold heart rate, you can plug it in and they'll calculate it for you. Um, I think if you just Google heart rate zones, the default will use the max heart rate. So make sure that you add in lactate threshold heart rate. So why is this a better way? Because we can actually get a decent estimate of what your heart rate is at lactate threshold. And for those who are not familiar, lactate threshold is the point at which lactate production in your muscles exceeds the clearance. And this results in a steady increase in blood lactate concentration. So if you've ever seen, most of you may not have seen this graph, but if you have seen a graph of, um, from a blood lactate test to get lactate threshold, uh, which is not the way I'm recommending you get this. But if you do want to go into a lab, you can get it tested via blood. That is the most accurate way. But as I'll talk about in a second, there's a way you can estimate it that does not require getting your finger pricked and blood tested every few minutes uh, on a treadmill. But if you look at one of those graphs with the results, you see that lactate is like slowly increasing for a bit and then all of a sudden there's an inflection point and it starts to go up rapidly and that inflection point is where your lactate threshold is so we're trying to estimate that point with this field test that i will talk about in a second but we like using lactate threshold heart rate as the calibration anchor for heart rate zones because it will better reflect what your specific zones are so that when you're training you're using something that is individualized to you and you can be more confident that you are actually 
in the right zone, quote unquote, um, and doing what you want with the workout that you're doing. So um, how do you do this? So the easiest way to do this is a field test outside, um, can be on a track, could be on a treadmill. Um, I would recommend outside or the track. So first, warm up with easy running because you're going to be running quite hard. We don't want to go right into that. Side note, please be warming up for all of your runs. <laughs> JK and I talk about this on this week's episode of Lifting, Running, and Living. So check that out. Uh, I will also link some of my favorite warm-up exercises in the show notes for those of you. But anyway, warm up with easy running before you do this field test. The field test is a 30-minute time trial. And within this 30-minute time trial, you want to aim for a challenging but steady effort. So what we don't want is going out too fast and then slowly dying throughout the 30 minutes. Ideally, we want it to be consistent and steady uh, throughout the whole 30 minutes. And for most people, this will be settling into a pace that you could hold for about an hour. Um, And so with this 30-minute time trial, what you're going to do is take the last 20 minutes of the time trial, take your average heart rate, and that is your estimate for your lactate threshold heart rate. And if you want to create zones based on pace, if you're striving for that, you can use the average pace of those last 20 minutes to be your lactate threshold pace. So similarly, anything I'm talking about with these heart rate zones, you can get pace zones from the same field test. And then after you do your 30-minute time trial, do a little easy running, cool down, you know, transition out of the hard running. So some tips to get the most accurate estimate. Use a chest heart rate monitor. Wrist heart rate monitors are not super accurate. I think they're getting better, but they are still not super accurate. Another reason why I don't love being married to heart rate zones because if you look at your watch at any point in your run it's not guaranteed that's what your heart rate actually is unless you are wearing a chest heart rate monitor which of course lies right on your chest and can read your heart rate much more accurately so in this lactate threshold field test highly recommend using a chest heart rate monitor and even if you don't want to estimate this if you feel like your watch has been telling you your heart rate is higher than you think or you just want to be curious if your watch is accurate i would recommend doing a couple runs with a chest heart rate monitor and comparing to either if you record them separately on the same run compared to what your watch tells you your average heart rate is or your heart rate graph um or comparing to a similar run on a different day if you don't have both of them recording within the same run For myself, when I wear my my chest heart rate monitor, it connects to my watch. So then the data I get is from the chest heart rate, not my watch. But I've been running in my chest heart rate monitor recently, and I've noticed that my heart rate looks closer to what I feel like it should be versus over the past like month. Well, there was like a two week time I wore my Coros uh, Apex again, and 
that was telling me my heart rate was like so much higher than my Garmin Phoenix 6 tells me. Um, but even my Garmin has been, it's been feeling a little higher than how I feel it should be. So all of that to say, if you want to see how accurate your wrist heart rate is, you can do some runs with your chest heart rate monitor. And for those curious, I have a polar chest heart rate monitor and it works great. I usually, I got it to use with my bike workouts um, because wrist heart rate was really not <laughs> reflecting what was going on on the bike. Anyway, back to tips for getting the most accurate estimate from this field test. Use the chest heart rate monitor. Perform this time trial on a flat route with no interruptions. So try not to stop at stoplights, have street crossings, anything where you'll have to, you know, slow down, start back up or stop and start again. So that's why a track can be a nice option for this. Um, for those of you who might be in Denver, Wash Park or Crown Hill Park, um, Cheeseman, City Park, any any park really. Any park with a path is a great option for this. Um, as long as it's flatter. Obviously, some of the trails out here are quite hilly and you, especially if you're trying to get your a pace estimate as well, you don't want hills to be mixed in there. You want a flat route. And finally, try to do this on a day where the weather is cooperating. So right now, Obviously, summer has descended upon us, and it is officially summer because we're after the solstice, um, but the heat and humidity will impact your heart rate, so you might not get the most accurate read. If you do want to do it this summer, highly recommend going at a time when it is not the hottest, so either early morning, I would recommend early morning, but you could do it, you know, later evening whenever it's not heat of the day, really hot and really humid. And similarly, if you happen to be listening to this in six months when it's winter again, snow and ice could affect how you run this. Obviously, it's much harder to run on snow. Ice is sketchy. Um, so you might not be able to run as hard as needed for this test. So try to do this on a day when it's good weather nothing in your way <laughs> while you're running, nothing impeding your running um, on a flat route. And yeah, from there, like I was saying, you can take your lactate threshold heart rate, put it in most zone calculators, depending on what zone model you enjoy using. If you use training peaks, you can plug that into in your settings to calibrate your zones. Um, I feel like you can do it in Garmin, but I'm not entirely sure. I do know if you wear your a chest heart rate monitor and do this, Garmin will estimate it for you. This happened to me once just on a workout. <laughs> um, oh, which reminds me, if you don't want to do this field test, you can use data from a hard workout or race if you have like 20 minutes where you held a sustained effort and... Yeah, use that as your estimate. So many different options to estimate this, but if you do want to use heart rate, I would highly recommend getting 
a closer number for lactate threshold than using your max heart rate to calibrate your zones. So for those of you interested in using heart rate as part of your training, like I mentioned at the top of this episode, I don't love using heart rate alone. So my first tip is use it as a guide, not a hard and fast rule. I have seen a lot of content on social media lately, which partially partially uh, influenced me. Influenced me? I don't know what word I'm looking for. Inspired me. That's it. To talk about this. And there have just been a lot of blanket statements out there like, if your heart rate goes above this number, you're not in your easy zone anymore. Your heart rate should never go above this number on an easy run. And there is not one number that applies to every single runner out there. So especially people who are not coaches should not be putting this information out there. And if you are seeing this information, maybe consider who is the source? Should I listen to this person? Do they know what they're talking about? Because all of us, yes, our heart rate zone for easy run, probably not super different, but they are not the same. So, and also, if you see, for example, someone Strava, you see their average heart rate, and they say it's an easy run, and you're like, based on your heart rate, that cannot be your easy run. You don't know. You don't know that person, unless you do, okay? If you know this person super well, maybe. But I feel like a lot of the times, we're just making assumptions just based on one number from a run, Like, you don't know how that felt to them. You don't know if they have a high lactate threshold heart rate. So maybe, just maybe, their easy zones are higher than yours. So we just need to all take these numbers with a grain of salt. So anyway, back to if you want to use heart rate in your training. Use it as a guide, not a hard and fast rule. Um, Spot check during your runs. Highly recommend not to be staring at your run or staring at your watch the entire time. That will make running so miserable. That That's a big reason, honestly, why I don't like training by heart rate because it takes you out of your body. And then you're letting this thing on your wrist tell you how your run is going. And... I think we should all just be a little more in tune with ourselves to be able to say, this run is hard, or this run feels good, it's easy. You know, there's a lot of disconnect in this day and age with how, like, what our bodies are actually telling us. Um, And this is another topic that JK and I cover in our podcast week, or episode this week. But yeah, if you're just blindly following your watch, highly recommend you don't do that. (laughs) I think the best way to use heart rate is to use it in conjunction with something like RPE, so rate of perceived exertion, and how you're feeling. So then that way you are listening to your body and you are learning what, how your body feels, what that actually means. And then that also allows you to be more cognizant of when your heart rate just doesn't make sense. And especially if you're just going by your watch and not a chest monitor, there are some times when your watch might be, it might be picking up on your cadence and calling that your heart rate, which is a really common thing. And 
for many of us, our cadence is usually, you know, between 160 and 180. And then if you're seeing that on your easy run and that is a lot higher than it should be, you might be, it might be picking up your cadence, not your heart rate. Um, where was I going with this? <laughs> Using it in conjunction with how you're feeling. Yeah. So it'll just allow you to see when your heart rate just does, it seems a little off. And I think that takes a little pressure off because I feel like a lot of people, when they see that they are not in the zone that they're targeting, usually an easy run zone, they start to freak out. And if you are stressing about what your heart rate is and constantly looking at it on your run, that might increase your heart rate because you're stressing about it. You see, it's kind of cyclical. So I think take heart rate with a grain of salt. It is a good guide, but figure out which heart rate zones are good for you using lactate threshold um, and getting an estimate that is specific to you. And that's just, those are my recommendations around heart rate training. If you have any further questions, feel free to reach out to me. You can email me at kelly at coachingclutz.com or DM me on Instagram at coachingclutz. Or every Tuesday, I do Tuesday, Tuesday, where you can ask me questions and I'll answer them in my stories. Basically, you can get some free coaching. You can get my opinion on things or like literally any question you're wondering. Although don't be weird or mean. I will not answer those. (laughs) But yeah, if you have more questions about this, let me know. I have posted um, some TikToks, also Coaching Klutz, about this and at least one Instagram post. So hopefully there is a lot of content out there. But yeah, if you have further questions, if anything is confusing, any clarification, let me know. I hope this is helpful. We're going to stop here for this week. I think that's enough ranting about heart rate training, but hopefully you got some good tidbits and yeah, look out for those guest episodes coming in July. I'll talk to y'all soon. That's a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening to this. If you like this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review everything you do for podcasts wherever you listen to them. It helps me out immensely and helps other people find the show and just spread my message. And if you haven't already, connect with me on Instagram or TikTok at Coaching Klutz. You can also find me at my website, coachingklutz.com, if you're looking for my coaching services or any of my running programs. And I will talk to you all next time.